Hey guys, you're listening to the Crosswalk Podcast. I'm Caleb. And I'm Chuck. Here at Crosswalk, we get together to have honest and raw conversations about how real faith in Jesus meets real life. If you haven't already, or if you guys are new to the channel, then go ahead and hit that like button, or maybe even that subscribe, so that you guys can know when we drop future episodes. We hope that you guys enjoy the episode. Alright guys, well welcome back to the Crosswalk Podcast, where real faith meets real life. Today we have a very special guest here, um, and I say guest, we're actually his guests right now. We're up, we're up <laughs> here in his place. Um, we're at the Lord's Cafe up in Kentucky, and this is Grant Hasty, a good friend that um, I don't get to visit often enough, for sure. Mm-hmm. And so, um, we're, we're just going to kind of talk a little bit today about kind of the, the, the changes in culture that we're seeing, but especially in relation to how that is affecting uh, the younger generations, and especially ministry to these younger generations. And so I'm actually going to let Grant put him on the spot. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let Grant give us a little bit of uh, background about him and um, about the ministry that they have going on here is just to, to fill in anybody that doesn't know. Okay. All right. So, yeah, now I'm pastor at Crossroads. We started the church a little over 10 years ago um, as a church plant from our living room of our house. Um, when we began Crossroads, one of our prayers was, God, show us the needs of the area and then to meet mm-hmm. those needs. Um, and God has overly abundantly done that. As we began to discover needs, one of the things that we continue to see was just the, in our area, it was the physical poverty, but also the spiritual poverty, and those two Mm -hmm. things go hand in hand. And so, again, that prayer, God, show us how to meet those needs. Um, And so as we did that, God gave us the resources, but on the personal side, God began to open even my family's eyes a little bit more than uh, to life than what we're used to. Um, growing up in a pastor's home, kind of not completely isolated, but still in a bubble, just so to speak, and in a normal, quote, family. Uh, both my, my wife and I both uh, uh, come from very traditional families, and uh, to begin to work and to dive in people where people are at, we began to see a lot of different needs. And so God actually challenged us through this whole process to um, enter into how, how do we understand culture? How do we understand the people around us? Um, and so we wound up finding ourselves in the position where we've actually have adopted and uh, dealt in with raising two children who are not our own biologically. Uh, but through that whole process, God's opened our eyes to how to to minister one-on-one a lot more with families. And, mm. and I use that terminology family in a very um, loose fashion in our area. <laughs> it's changed a lot. Um, it's changed it? a whole lot because uh, yeah. it's very seldom does anyone that we minister with, whether they come and eat at the cafe or through other ministries, uh, very seldom is it a traditional mom and dad. Uh, very right, very yeah. few is even that mm-hmm. in the picture. Uh, but most of the p- children and youth that we work with aren't even being raised by parents at all. And so it's either mm-hmm. foster, adopted, or some type of kinship that's that's come on board, and so the parents involved. So what was like... What what was it that made you like be looking into the adoption adoption and stuff? Like I think that's really cool, man. I just well, I mean, it's it. I just, honestly, um, we started the process a few years ago before Crossroads even came about, and it's a big moved. process yeah, for it, adoptions, well, right? I mean, it is. In our first process, we we're going through the state, and with the state, it was going to be at least a year, and well, it was one of those things where you had a class a month, and if you missed a class, then you added a month on the end, right? And uh, we. Our schedule and the state schedule just didn't jive, and so we did like a class or two, and then we just dropped it because it was too much. Right, yeah. And then we had a conversation, actually, with a, a grandmother who we had uh, met through the ministries here the first summer, and she had three grandchildren that she was thinking that she may wind up with to raise, and her health is not that great, and so she approached us about possibly uh, coming into these children's life. Mm-hmm. And 
as a safety net, we began the foster classes through a, uh, actually through Sunrise, which is a Kentucky Baptist agency. And uh, they came and tailored their schedule to us and not to the state. And so we wound up getting certified through that whole process. The three kids wound up going into a different situation. And uh, it was just an amazing thing how God timed it just so we could get the get our two youngest children uh, as we were finishing up wow, the adoption that's process. Awesome. Yeah, I can remember um, you giving us some updates and things along the way, and it, it was a ride. It was a ride, <laughs> yeah. yeah. We literally signed the papers on a Wednesday, Thursday, we got the deferral, and by the, uh, the next Tuesday, they were moving in. Wow. So that, uh, that was five years ago this month. Wow. wow. That's awesome. Wow, it doesn't seem like that long ago. Oh, yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> it really does. Yeah, yeah. Well, and so that, that that's one thing. when um, We had talked to Grant about doing this episode, which we had to reschedule because of weather and everything. This mm-hmm. was supposed to be a, like a week ago, um, and it's it's still coming down as I look out the window right yeah. now. But we, uh, we had to And might I like, say that this is the most perfect, area it's like this is like i oh, know uh, it's the in. wall take in the, the wall right here okay I, we're gonna take this with us and so we can film <laughs> in front of it good luck <laughs> no but this is really cool this is a really awesome setting to film on but it, that's totally random but like make sure like oh, no we'll we'll, t- we'll check talk that we'll out yeah talk about this in a minute so we um we had talked about um what do we want to do this episode on we wanted to get grant on we knew that we really knew that from like when we started the podcast mm-hmm. we we're like hey we want to make sure we get grant on an episode or, mm-hmm. or many episodes maybe and um we turned it over to him and we're like hey what are you going to talk about <laughs> and he was like i don't know what can i talk about <laughs> and so we ended up settling on this but one of the big things i think that especially like you said ministering in this area mm-hmm. but then also going through that process of adoption is just how much uh the younger generation has been influenced by pop culture right and I think one mm-hmm. of the reasons for that definitely is, is social media mm-hmm. and amount of screen time that we get and the things that are coming in. And our culture really has shifted. And so I think that's one thing, um, like we had talked with a, a few episodes back, we had Kevin Terry, and that's something he and I have talked about. Um, I'm a school teacher, he's a school teacher, and just the difference in kids. Right. Um, and for, for example, you know, Caleb was in the youth group at church with us, you know, and, and grew up all through there. And, um, and really, I guess really the whole... The whole time I had him in youth, he was I was already his brother in law and everything. So mm-hmm. I'd been a family friend for years, you know. And the difference in Caleb and even just a few years after him. That's yeah, crazy. Was That's just crazy. massive. Yeah. It was wild. So what are some of the things that, that you're seeing on the front lines? Because I know like again, talking with Kevin Terry, we see a lot of people in the church, typically older um people, or maybe I should say more experienced. Right. Uh, just uh, you know, older generation of, of folks that if they're not raising grandkids, which a lot of them are, right. But if they're not raising grandkids, um, they may not see these things as much. And so kind of help fill some of them in and, and what, what are we seeing and what are some things that even for younger viewers, what's going to help them understand what's happening in the culture? Well, you know, pop culture is one thing, but then I think the other side of the equation too, that we've learned is having to unpack where these kids have come from. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, a lot of times the, the social media part is the the symptom, but the root is the experiences they've had in their homes. Right. That's a good point. And so, you know, I think to be able to to go down to the root and start dealing with the root um, is important as we deal with, with the children or, or youth, whatever it might be in the case of ministry, um, and being able to, well, for one thing, in the church life, to cut them some slack. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because, you know, it was, we've had, we've, we're known for mission teams, and, um, you know, just... 
as churches come in and they expect to come in and do a vacation Bible school in a traditional setting, and everything looked like back home. Um, <laughs> but when you right, have... Which you guys don't have a traditional building. Exactly. We don't have a traditional building, which is... Tell them about that a little bit. Right well, so yeah, the, the Lord's Cafe building is where we meet at, for Crossroads. Our church meets the same place we do free lunch ministries and other ministries. Mm. And so, you know, we don't have a steeple, we don't have pews or anything anything like that. And so, um, you know, so it's definitely taking people out of their quote-unquote <laughs> comfort zone to even yeah. come. But then when they start ministering with the kids, and it's like, you know, you've got to... It, it's okay if the kids aren't perfect little angels. They're still soaking in. Yeah. And they're still mm-hmm. learning, they're still growing. Um, and then it's how do you minister to their caregiver, whether it's the parent or, or, or your foster parent or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. How do you minister to those and minister as a whole family unit and not just uh, the kids? Because these kids have been through a lot of things that I will never fully understand. I hear about it. I've studied it, obviously, through foster care classes and whatever, but, mm-hmm. uh, but walking in their shoes, I can't say I've ever done that. Um, yeah. And so, again, getting that root because... I don't know, even talking with my son, in his definition of trust in the beginning was completely different than what we would perceive in a in a Christian perspective as trust. Hmm. And trying hmm. to define that issues of trust when he's come out of a traumatic home life right. before us. Um and so it's it's diving it's it's having to do real life with these with the parents and with the kids as well. Um and accepting them where they're at and then watching God's love just pour into them. Mm-hmm. That's one thing. Um, and I think Caleb would even attest to this with some of the guys that he does ministry with and things is that um, I heard somebody say one time, basically, you know, if you can imagine like a scale of one to 10, one being they're just absolutely lost. They want nothing to do with God and 10, they're practically in heaven. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and like seven is they become a Christian and they're on their walk with God. He's like, you know, the, the average person used to be 30 years ago. They might be a five or a six. Right. You just meet a lost person, random right. person who's not a believer, follower of Jesus yet on the street. They may already be like a five or six. They're fairly close, you know what I mean? And they may still even try to live by some Christian principles, just culturally. Right. He's like, now your average person, especially in younger generations, so I'm talking like our, like millennials or Gen Z, they're maybe more like a three or four. If that. Mm-hmm. If yeah. that. Yeah. If that. And so it's going to take longer and mm-hmm. a bit more maybe, like you were saying, one-on-one intentionality to move to to help them progress from okay I'm at a two or a three I almost want nothing to do with God to being actually open to the idea of God and then open to the idea that Jesus actually died for me too. Well, you've got this generation that's been hurt so much as well, and so for them to even receive love, mm-hmm. they push it away. Um, I remember my son every Sunday sharing the gospel and worship would get angry. Because he was pushing away, pushing away. Right. It's not that he didn't realize he needed Jesus, but he was just pushing away the 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 love of Christ. Yeah. And so I think that's a, a dynamic that we we have to learn as a church to in order to minister. Because you know the culture of church today, where everything's either plateau or declining on the majority of the churches, is because we're not being relational when and intentional on reaching the families, however they look may look around us. Mm-hmm. Well, we live in like a really like sheltered, I guess, like bubbled world. You could say, like, when it comes to like your feelings and your emotions, because like everybody like wants to dance around them. Because like obviously, like nobody wants to be hurt. But like now, we've like developed this whole like sense of like y- like you do you. You know, like we've talked about so many yes. times. But like one of the big factors for, and motivators for that is like the hurt behind that. Because it's like, oh, well, if I let somebody into my life, then they can hurt me. But if I can choose my own set of rules, like that I can't be hurt. Or if I can choose my own set of stipulations for love, then I can't be hurt. And so it's like, really, like if you think about it, I hadn't thought about it until just now, but like really if you think about it, 
it kind of comes back to that sense of just like mistrust and like that sense yes. of hurt in 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 our past lives because we build up these walls and then we want to we want to make the rules we want to make the stipulations we want to you know define the boundaries of what is love and our identity and like that's that's a really big basis for a lot of the problems that we're seeing mm-hmm. yeah and i think one of the things um when i think about our culture and everything uh, uh, to borrow a phrase from um i believe it's carl truman is a book i'm reading right now is expressive individualism and it's it's just what you're saying. You do you. I'm going to decide my own identity. Yeah. But he really pushes back on that in part of it. And he's saying, you know, he's like, basically, I'm going to totally paraphrase. <laughs> he's almost like, I dare you to try to define your own identity apart from your relationships. <laughs> and it's like, you know, okay. That's true, yeah. Because yeah. nowadays true. culture pushes and they're like, oh, no, no, no. I want to, I, you know, I'm gay. Well, okay, so that's that's you're defining yourself by a, a sexual preference or something. Again, that's still in relation to other people. Mm-hmm. Right. Where yeah, somebody yeah. says, Oh, I'm a father, right? Or I'm a pastor or whatever, you know, even the, the the roles we have in our jobs and things are again in relation to other people. And he's basically like, Why are we pushing against that? That's actually how you form your identity. Well <laughs> because it's based on relationships. Because that's how we're created in the first place. Mm. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly, and um, and he is a Christian author, by the way, and that's what he really dives into. He's like, this this is why. This is and so, at what point are, are we just going to kind of stand up as a culture and say, okay, I think enough is enough. Like, quit trying to define yourself by not relationships. You can't you can't do it. You actually can't define your own identity apart from relationships. And so, okay, well, if that's the case, then like we said, we've got to be willing to, to kind of dig down to where's the mistrust, where's the hurt. Where are those things that are keeping us from finding that identity in Christ? Right. And those are not easy conversations at mm-hmm. all. Um, no. And one thing I've noticed, even here at the, where the Crossroads, is you know, when we first started the ministry here, it was everyone was really closed off. Um, through the years, and our mission teams that have been year after year have made this comment, how much more open our people are. You know, mm-hmm. they come in, you know, the setting here is, you know, come in for the free month to the free meal, but then as they're eating the meal, we're having relationship talks and find out who they are and all these things. And so, you know, our community now is, is a lot more open. I think it's a cultural shift we've seen over the past 10 years. Um, but it is sitting down and, and, and being able and being willing to hear somebody share some very uncomfortable stuff, whether it's things that their kids are going through, their adult kids, you know, with addictions or whatever, or mm-hmm. maybe things from their past that they're dealing with and why, you know, how that's all coming back to surface now and how they're having to handle it. Uh, so it does make us, it makes us uncomfortable because you're having those conversations mm-hmm. um, that mm-hmm. that we typically in our life, we don't like to have, we don't like to come around about ourselves, or we don't want to, uh, to have to, you know, and of course we always think that we have to have the answer. Yeah. And, you know, we don't. You know, that's, you know, God allows us to I sometimes be the, 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 the earpiece and yeah. not the mouth. And I wouldn't pretend that I'm a whole lot better at it, but I used to be really bad for that. I was thinking like, oh man, they've, they've shared this. I have to, ha- I have to be able to give them something. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's just, I, that's just kind of what we try to do in, especially in ministry. But, you know, one of the things I do with my kids at school is we'll do, we'll do a thing called Monday Musings. And I'll just have them, which I have to always define what the word musing means first. But we'll do those, and every Monday I'll just give them a different quote. It may be from a famous scientist. It may be, you know, I sneak in different things now and then. Sometimes I'll throw in a proverb from Scripture, and they have no idea. <laughs> but they're like, hey, this really makes sense. I'm like, there's a reason for that. Yeah. And um, we'll, we'll talk about it in things, and usually the very first one that we do at the beginning of the year, um, I'll give them an option, and they end up writing a lot about it. 
and through the, and I've even, I've even hung on to some of those papers through the years, you know, the stuff that they will share when they realize, oh, he's the only person going to read it. Mm. And they'll just be so vulnerable and share things. And it's kind of one of those things, again, it's, it's uncomfortable, but I've kind of gotten used to, um, if you're going to do ministry, it's going to be messy. Well, it's going to be being willing to wade right. into that mess. Right. And, and I think for us, you know, cause we get volunteers from all over. And so one thing that the prerequisite is, is you have to be willing to pray for someone. Cause even if you don't have answers, you can always take the situation to God. Right, and, yeah. and it's amazing to watch how many adults come through here. I mean, I'm talking experienced adults, right. That have never prayed publicly. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, they break that, that uncomfort zone that they're in, that comfort zone in, and actually start praying with people. And they begin to see this is, A, it's not difficult, and B, it makes a real difference, mm-hmm. you know? And so, you know, yeah, we can't always have the answers, and we want to have the answers to fix problems. And mm-hmm. That's who we are. Right. But at least to pray with people, that, that's the simplest to fix. Well, and you see that even in the secular world. I mean, you would be surprised how many people are vulnerable to let you pray for them. Because mm-hmm. um, it's like, especially something that, I try to do, which is, I mean, it's, it's one of those things that I kind of struggle with because it's not easy to do. Um, but one of the things that I try to push my guys to do, well, I try to do, and really I got this from Pastor James um, because mm-hmm. he had mentioned doing it a lot, um, was like whenever you go out to eat, like asking your waiter, like before they come in and giving you food. I mean, like I'm going to sit there, me and my wife, you know, we grab hands across the table and we always say a prayer before we eat, whether no matter where we're at. And so it's like, you're already going to do it anyways. Like when your waiter brings you your food or whatever, like ask him, like, is there anything I can pray for you for? Okay, and, like, you would be so surprised to see, like, the effect that has on people. Because, like, I don't think as many times I've done it, as many times I've seen people do it, I don't think I've ever seen somebody be like, no, just, you know, don't. Like, there's always something that they're like, yeah, actually, like, pray for my mom or, like, my dad or, like, this situation that's going on. Like, they open up. Like, you mm-hmm. ask them, like, they open up. And, like, you can pray for them. And, like, then you can, you know, oh, you know, can I, you know, could, will you mind praying with us here? Whatever. It's like, you would, like, it's crazy, like, the avenues that that can open up sometimes and how... People are actually open to do it. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's real different. But, you know, what – outside of doing ministry here in the cafe, which I think is awesome because that's, that's just a totally different avenue because folks will totally come in for free food yeah. versus, hey, we're having this new <laughs> – I, whatever you know, we're doing yeah. we're doing a new new kind of church service or something. You <laughs> yeah, know? Exactly. It's yeah. Like, yeah. We can pack it out for food, but for worship is a whole other story. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, what are some of the outside of that? What are some other aspects and things that you guys have done in the area that you've seen um, success with in terms of of just being able to make contacts and reach out with people? Because that's the thing everybody's got to understand. I think the big shift, especially if 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 you're uh, believer and you're listening to this and you're thinking man people just don't come to church the way they used to or people don't respond to you know we'll do revivals and things and people just don't come as much as they used to like i think it's because we've got to understand like more than ever we we're passing out of a christian culture mm-hmm. a, a truly authentic christian right, culture yeah you know we still have especially in our area we're, we're a rural area in the the bible belt you know we still kind of have a a bit of what we would call cultural christianity that kind of still lingers in a way that maybe mm. is not always authentic, but you know we're we're passing out of a a Christian culture. <laughs> That's and, a whole other podcast, right? Yeah, <laughs> I know. Don't get us. Started. That was I think that was really some of you asked us earlier. Grant asked us earlier why we started the podcast, and I think that probably is our that, answer. That was the answer. That's yeah. probably our answer is that we've just seen so much cultural inauthentic Christianity. So, what are some areas where you've seen that have been successful being able to reach out besides just the cafe? Because 
people need to understand we are going to have to go to people more than ever. Right. And I think, you know, again, going back to the original prayer, God, show us the needs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he gives us this building. You know, we started in September. By February, we had the cafe building wow. um, for food. Um, of course, it wasn't ready to open until June with remodels. But um, it's meeting people where they're at and showing them compassion. I mean, I go back to the Gospels, and that's exactly what Jesus did. Yeah. And mm-hmm. receive people right where they're at. You don't, um, you don't have to have them do a checklist before they come through the doors to worship. Uh, right. We have a. I always kid people. They, you know, invite them to church and uh, kid them around. So you know, we've got a very strict dress code, and they kind of get this. Oh boy, here we go. <laughs> and it's like, well, it, our dress code has come as you are, and so you just see the relief over their face Ooh. because they don't have to have a a certain dress to come into the building. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, a couple of other ministries we do that's been, I would say, successful because of those relationships and being able to uh, even build relationships outside the walls of the building. One of them the laundromat ministry. That's mm. been a, a huge avenue as well. <laughs> is, uh, that's just, something I've talked to Caleb. I don't know how many times I've yeah. talked to Caleb. Like, dude, we should go hang out at the laundromat a couple Saturdays a month and it, it's just a, give out coins or soap uh, and talk to people. That's that's because, and the, the funny thing is the, the laundromat here in town, uh, they changed their policy that you couldn't just leave your clothes in the machines. You have to stay with the clothes. Mm. And, and I don't know what ours is. And our relationship with the laundromat got so well that, you know, they were closed on Wednesdays and we'd have some teams that that would be the day they wanted to go down and wash clothes. And so they'd actually go unlock the door and let the mission team run the laundromat. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah. And we actually had for a <laughs> while, um, it, it kind of fizzled away because some dynamics on the other side, but there was actually a, a upstart of a church ministry from another church out of state. Um, oh, wow. Happened at the laundromat. Um, you know, some things have happened there with, with ownerships or whatever, but we still maintain that relationship. Um, and the, our volunteers that come in and do that, and even some of our local uh, members, when they go do that, it's they're blown away with how open people are. The relationships, even I, one of my favorite stories about relationships is uh, a couple of years ago, a lady came in. She did laundry ministry. She prayed with the lady. They, they connected because of similarities and stories. And she told me, I'll pray for you throughout the year. And she did. Well, she comes back in town a year later, and uh, the first customer in the door was the lady she's been praying for her son. And she approached her and blew the lady, the local or community lady, away because, A, she came back, and, B, she still remembered the prayer situation. And she was able to share with her the answer to prayer for her son. Mm. Uh, and you know, just those relationships are so simple, but going to where people are at. The other ministry that I think is I would label successful as well, and right now in pandemics a little more difficult, is going to the adult daycare. And just hanging out with those guys, um, and at the adult daycare, kind of, kind of give people a heads up. You got people who are truly believers, and so as volunteers, you get to go in and you get to hear how how Christ has helped them through their physical or mental disabilities. Mm-hmm. Or you got people who are on the other end of the spectrum who are completely angry for God for what they've what He's allowed them to go through in life. Yeah. Um, and and for the the staff there, it gives them more opportunity to have people to be one on one with their clients, mm. and uh, that's been a really a neat ministry. That's one that uh, when people are a little hesitant to go, uh, we've never had in ten years someone say I never want to go back there. <laughs> um, they usually go behind my back and go again without us knowing it. Um, but you know, it's just again, it, it's meeting people where they're at. Um, you know, and it, even with the the pop-up things we do here at the cafe, whether mm-hmm. it's a, a block party or giveaway. You know, with, with our dynamic of our culture here, with the majority of the people unemployed, you know, you don't have to have a Saturday afternoon event. You can do it at Tuesday at 2 o'clock, and you're still going to draw a crowd. All you do is put the sign free out front. Right. Um, and, you know, so it's whether it's a, a block party or whether it's clothing giveaway or uh, like the hair salon we have here, people come mm-hmm. in and cut hair. Um, all of those are avenues to meet people where they're at in order to share the gospel. Mm. Yeah. 
that's, that's awesome. what's so weird though it's like what you're sp- like what you speak and like makes me like would jump out of my seat just because like that's awesome and and i love that and like like he had said that that is like the whole reason why we started this podcast because we wanted to see that we wanted to see jesus leave the church building and go out and and meet people where they were like that's awesome but it's crazy to think really as simple as that may sound as a task to do it's crazy how little of that you actually see and that's why i love the ministries that you do because i mean you're out there you're doing it and and you're you're going out and you're starting up these ministries and you're trying to go and meet people where they are but it's like I don't know how much of that you've seen up here where you are from, but like, I mean, especially from where we're from, that's not, that's kind of, I guess, what you could say a problem that I guess as that kind of cultural Christianity thing that we've kind of talked about is, is getting the word out. It's like going and actually growing our churches from the outside of church. Right. <laughs> you know, we can't do it inside the church. And so. But the thing I love about the missions coming in, because we have teams from all over the country come in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's the churches that come in that, um, they get it. They come here, they see hands and feet going out, and then they go home and pray, God, what is it in our area? You know, they can either the same thing or same type of ministries, or what is in our area that we can do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, we've seen several sponsoring churches of churches have come in there the years that have gone home and started going outside the box. I think one of my favorite stories is um, with the laundry ministry, actually, a church in Georgia, um, very traditional church, began going outside the box a little bit more and more, and uh, now they're actually, they're still, as far as I know now, they're still doing laundry ministry, and they're actually partnering with an African-American church, and and they alternate Saturdays. Well, the African-American church kicked it up because they started bringing on food on the Saturdays. And so, (laughs) you know, it became a friendly competition, but but for the community, they saw not only two churches working together, but crossing the racial divide as well. And, yeah. and so, uh, it, it's you do see which is a big deal in it, the current moment. It yeah. is, it is, especially one well, in, in that part of Georgia, especially. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, it's just the, that's what excites me. Not only seeing the cultural shift here, but when people actually experience it and they get it. The most frustrating part of this is whenever you see people come in and they're the checkbox missions. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and, and they go home and nothing's changed. Um, you know, and I think. You know, that's one, and then, you know, they come to help the poor people of Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And I always tell people, you know, you're mm-hmm. if you're coming to do that, just don't even bother. Well, I'll tell you what's even crazier. I mean, even because, you know, we're, we're from a small county. You know, mm-hmm. this is a small small county. And we actually, a couple months back, I guess, in, in the summer, we had actually had, like, a big mission group come into town. And we're doing some work on the... Um, what was that big building that they were doing that work on? There was a big group. Like, they had those vans running around town. They were all, like, numbered and stuff. I don't remember. When but, was this? Like in back in the summers, I think. Like this last summer, maybe. Or not like 2019, like COVID, but like, you know, <laughs> before like the world ended. Yeah. <laughs> but, but regardless. Wait, but we're oh, still here. <laughs> they were work, you're talking about they're working on the, uh, were they working on the ministry center? The ministry center. The yeah, yeah. Christian care center down yeah, there? Yeah, 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 yeah. They were working on Scott that. Scott Christian care center. And they had all these buses coming in around, like all these kids and everybody working on it. And it's like, and this is kind of sad to say, but... I think it was also probably a team from Georgia. Actually. It was crazy to see the amount of people that, you know, I had friends that, you know, we'd be talking about, oh, yeah, that's a worship team coming in to, you know, do ministry and Scott County stuff. And you'd be surprised how many people were like, would look at you and be like, what's there to do in Scott County? Mm. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. Yeah. ooh, like, this is, our own home, this is our own hometown right here. Why are we not out there getting our hands and feet dirty? And it's like, we got people that don't even know there's work to be done. Like, yeah. Well, and I that's think that's hard. the... I think that's the, the big issue with especially reaching the next generation is is we just kind of like we had talked about that just assume the gospel 
Right, yeah. You have a generation that just kind of assumes the gospel, and it's like, oh, just it's preached at church every Sunday. The church is open. We don't close the church. It's always there. Like, that's enough. Is kind of almost... We don't say that out loud, but that's kind of the mentality. Mm-hmm. But even, you know, when you do church out of the box, and you're inviting the younger generation to come along, uh, to me, that's what makes church relevant to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A- instead of just another, uh, we're coming on Sunday, and I, I have to sit here in this pew, and I have to behave for this hour, or whatever it might be. Um, but they're able to go out and experience and meet people and share yes. the gospel. So would you, ag- gospel would you agree like that That might be one of our big problems of why we see young adults falling away from oh, the absolutely. faith as, as oh, they come out of... Yeah, yeah, 100%. Because, you know, it, you know and you've got the, the whole postmodern generation too that it's just, they don't want another something to add to their plate. You know, right, they, they're yeah. successful. They've got every their toys with their family, whatever. They don't need to go to church. You know, they've got everything mm-hmm. they need. That's what they think. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the church as a whole has lost the fact that it's, it's a, a relevant functioning body. Um, I, I mean, even going to the pandemic stuff, right? I mean, I think that's why churches were deemed unessential. You mm-hmm. know, uh, because why just it's just a gathering. It's it's nothing important. But you know, to be able to go and to serve and to be relevant and to be the hands and feet and to show the love of Christ and it, it you apply what you learn. Well, I'd actually read an article uh, the other day that had was stating stuff about how the um, like the high school age people that were coming out going into college, or even like the college age that were graduating and going into the workforce, um, how they were. It, it became really confusing because. What you would think that you would see is people becoming, you know, getting back into church and, and things like that. You would start to see like a different trend setting with those people because you would. I'm trying to remember exactly because it had like all kinds of stats and stuff with it, and mm-hmm. um, it was a really interesting article about well, and that was a trend for a little bit. Like there was actually a trend, especially in, of millennials, right, going away from. I may have. And I'm kind of thinking probably more of the upper range of millennials going away from church in their early 20s and things, getting married, having kids, and thinking, oh, I need to get back in church. Right, because of the kids. Because of the kids, yeah. 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 Not necessarily for me, right. but I, it's... It was important for me to go as I was growing up, so I yeah. want that for my child. Yeah, Right. Yeah. Which, again, feeds that just that cultural side of it, not the authentic, my kids need this because... They actually need salvation because they have a desperate soul need for Jesus, but uh, it, it's important in life. It's right. Yeah, it was. Life. It was. They were that culture kind of just thought that the teenagers, that the young adults, were mm-hmm. just careless in their faith in a sense of just they didn't care. But it was actually a sense, kind of what you were saying, that it was actually not the case. It was just that they actually are very caring about what's in their life, and that it becomes they are actually very good at prioritizing the things in their life. But it's the fact that the church isn't at all a priority for their lives, right? And so they're not including it. Mm-hmm. And it's like it then it like begs the question: It's like how do you gain that relationship back to where you can make church a priority in their lives? Like, and mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, well, I think it's getting it getting it back to the the true meaning. You know, I, I look at um, and this is something I've always found fascinating that you know if if you and I, I didn't take any Greek, okay. I'm thinking you did, right? A little bit. A little bit. Enough awesome. to be dangerous. Um, yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> I already use the tools. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's that's me. I'm like, I know how to use a, a, a dictionary and a lexicon and, mm. and get myself in trouble. Um, but, you know, I look at the word that uh, is translated, and it's not even a true translation, That where you find the word church in the New Testament. It's actually, you know, the word ecclesia, mm-hmm. and it meant assembly, congregation, you know, gathering of people. 
Um, because I, I think of like the uh, in Acts when the the mob gathers right. to to get rid of Paul and run him out of town. It's the word actually in the Greek is ekklesia. It's the same word that Jesus uses to, to say I'm gonna you know like I'm gonna build my church. I'm gonna build my ecclesia. Is the same word used for the mob that's that's gathering to the rioters to run Paul out of town. And so I think getting back to that of not a mob, not a name of a mob. <laughs> right. We've had enough of the writing. Um, but getting back to the idea that we're actually going to be a, a movement of people, a, a, yeah, a congregation, yeah. a gathering, an assembly of people, not um, church. Church actually comes from you know a German word, kirch, which, re- which actually meant a place of worship. And, and the difference is, is just so vast between a place of worship and a body of worshipers. It's our last core value of Crossroads is be church. Mm-hmm. It's even to take it, not that this is the building as the church, but we are the right. people as the church, and you do it as you go. You know, it's yes. great together. We enjoy mm-hmm. gathering. Uh, I think that might be on the flip side of the whole pandemic stuff is churches are finally waking up that it doesn't have to be the same. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and it, you know... Well, it, some are. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and, and those are the ones that are suffering. I mean, yeah. to be honest with you, they yeah. are. But it, again, it goes back to that relevant and, and making sure that... You know, the, all the dynamics of family life that we've been talking about is, you know, there's a lot of hurt. There's and and as a church, we have to be willing to receive people where they're at. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, and I, again, go back to Christ. We've been going through the life of Christ now for over a year on Wednesday nights, and that the word that keeps coming up to me in my studies has been compassion. And that's just taking mm-hmm. people where they're yeah. at. I mean, Christ even to a certain degree showed compassion to religious leaders. He also had a lot of issues with them. But at the same time, he didn't hold back. Mm. Um, Truth and grace. Yeah, and exactly. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, as a church, I don't think that we we show a lot of compassion. We expect people yeah. to to follow the rules, to follow the rules, and to fit our model. And if they yeah. don't fit our model, then well, there's another church down there's the road a, that, yeah. that might fit, right? But because <laughs> yes. what I see in our culture, in our in our area, I'm not sure if it's so thick across the, the state line, but. The biggest group of non non churchgoers that I see in our county, we would label as dechurched. That yeah. was either yeah. first, second, third, fourth generation now even mm. that have don't go to church because they were told to leave because they had sin in their life or they didn't dress a certain way and change yeah. and didn't conform. Well, they just choose not to conform and so they don't go back. Right, they've been hurt. Mm-hmm. The they've been hurt a lot. Absolutely. And and so we see that a a whole lot. And in which now with fourth and fifth generation. We're running across kids through ministries that have never heard the gospel. Mm-hmm. And even though we've got 70-plus churches in the county, yeah, these kids have never heard well, the gospel. And that goes back to we were talking with Kevin Terry a few weeks ago. And, and you know, Kevin... Now, these are Kevin's own numbers. It's not like there's been a poll or anything. But I'm, I, he, he's talked to a lot of, of churches and a lot of people and kind of crunched some numbers. And, you know, he, he says, and I'd be inclined to believe it, 70% of Scott yeah. County is probably unchurched. Now... Of that seventy percent, like you were saying, a great many of those are what we would call dechurched. Right. At one point, may have been involved in some of it. Some right. of them may actually even be believers. Right. But they're not connected to the body of Christ anymore because they've been hurt because of whatever this and that. Mm. And again, this that mindset I think comes along sometimes of oh well somebody didn't like it here but there's hundreds of others. Yeah, and I think part of it too going back to the life. I mean. When life happens, it's when the church needs to be there. So, mm-hmm. you know, we've seen, you know, well, a, a child falls off into an addiction, so they're de-churched because there's sin in their family. Or, you know, God forbid there's a, a you know, a, a baby coming outside of wedlock, you know. So that's mm-hmm. another we've seen de-churched. Instead oh, of the church yeah. walking alongside is, of these situations. I mean, it's kind of one of those things. Those things have become so common now. Right. 
It's like not that we could not that a church could ever afford not to minister to those kind of needs. Right. But you really can't afford to now because I mean, look at the statistics on, you know, teen pregnancy and and just well, even again, like you were talking about family being redefined. Mm-hmm. How many people are you know, they have kids together, but they're not married. May not even be living in the same household. But there again, that goes back to the whole issue of the church because mm-hmm. the value of marriage is so bad. And then, you know, marriage reflects the church. And so if we mm-hmm. don't have a high value of church, we're not going to have high value on marriage. Right. And, and we see that time and time again where, well, it's, it's, why isn't it okay? Well, because Scripture says it's not okay, you know? And, uh, and so you, we have to have a high value on both sides of that and, and to model that as a church. And again, let God do the changing. Yeah. You know? Well, like you said, Scripture says it's not, it's not okay because it, it says it models the relationship of Jesus and his, his bride, right. the church. Right. He gave his life for that. That's not a, oh, yeah, let's just kind of, <laughs> let's just kind of hang out and have the benefits, but not really make a commitment. That's all in. Right. Mm-hmm. And he says your marriage is supposed to model that. So that's why you're, right. if you're not all in, you're not modeling what it's supposed to be. Right. And, you know, in, in our culture today, I mean, to try to define a marriage in a family. I mean, when we first moved to Kentucky, one of the first families we ran across, um, and, and I use that word family, it was one man married to one woman, had another, his ex-wife living with him, and another lady living with him, and they had 15 children together. Wow. And, and, you know, and I was in that crossroads, I was in another church, and, you know, that this family group, let's label it like that, began to engage like in vacation Bible school. Yeah. And to a, a weekday feeding ministry. And I asked some, someone in leadership, I said, you know, hey, what would happen if they showed up at church? And the answer was, I don't know. <laughs> and I'm like, what do you mean I don't know? And and that just, to me, just exposed a big problem. Right. In, and I'm not just saying that Which church. I guess the answer should have been, we'll find them a pew. Right. A well, whole pew, because right. they got a right. kids. You know, we'll welcome them where they're at and, and, and let God sort out, you know, how yeah. this situation is going to land and who it's, what is God defining this family? How is God can, can bring healing in the situation? Mm-hmm. Uh, that he gets the glory and it's not the church and what we've done. Right. Um, I think too oftentimes we have the savior mentality as a church that we try to fix people instead of like God to fix people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're bad for that. Well, I think we're really, I think what that all boils down to is something that we have said over and over and over and over and over in this podcast is is our relationships. Mm-hmm. Okay, our relationships with people, but all of that stems back to our relationship with Christ. Mm-hmm. Okay, that has got mm-hmm. to be our at the first and foremost point of our priority at our lives, as our churches, as our ministry. I mean, because that that's where we model our churches from. Is from mm-hmm. you know the relationship that that Christ had. That's where we model ship our relationships from. Is the relationship that Christ had. I mean, everything that we do in our Christian ministry relationship churches should be modeled after the relationship that Christ had, and which sadly we don't see a lot of that. Yeah, we don't. And I think it kind of goes back again to the idea of whether you like the idea or not. Your your identity is formed in part. Again, it's in it's how your relationships are. That, that's part of your identity. And that has to be the relationship that forms your identity. Because when you, when you truly live out of the, the, the fact that, okay, I, I'm actually God's child. Like, I can know him as a father. And again, I think you have a generation. That, that makes it hard, though, because you have a generation who they didn't have a father. Or scared the fathers, or their fathers hurt them. Or their or, fathers yeah, hurt yeah. them and everything. And so the idea that they come in and we're like, oh, yep, let's, let's sing songs about you know good, good father, whatever. They're like, what does that look like? 
if he's anything like my dad, I don't want any part of this. You know right. what I mean? And yeah. so it's again being willing to meet people and through through life and, and just conversations, show them what that relationship looks like so that they can see, hey, oh, this is this is something that actually is nurturing. This is something that's actually good for me. This is something that is, you know, we want we want them to want Christianity to be true even before they're ready to believe that it's true. Yeah, that's true. But then that's where we have to live. Then it's a relationship again. Uh, be real with people. Mm-hmm. As we're walking through difficult situations as a believer in the world, you know, even though we go to church, whatever, but we all have stuff going on. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying we, we wear our dirty laundry on our sleeve or anything, but people understand, they know that, hey, there's financial struggles or, or you're walking through a sickness or death in the family, whatever, that we're being real with people, that we still go through suffering, we still go through pain, but our hope is anchored in Christ. Mm-hmm. And our relationship with Christ is what's pulling me through this. And I still may get angry with God, and it's, you know, that's part of life. But at the same time, I still anchor back into that relationship mm-hmm. to move forward. And that's where we get in trouble is because our culture is the greatest culture to date for spotting the fake. They can see right through, they can see right through the fake. Yeah. They yeah. know that's when the somebody's thing. being fake. Well, and I think that's, that's kind of like what we were getting at is like, okay, we don't want just something to come and. We're going to come and we're going to sit and listen and we're going to play the part and we're going to do this. They don't want that because they're like, oh, that just that doesn't seem authentic. Mm-hmm. That doesn't it, authentic, it, everything yeah. that the, even in pop culture, it's you know, be the most authentic you you can. <laughs> you know, look within yourself and find <laughs> yourself and figure out who you're supposed to be and then fully throw yourself into that and be the most authentic you. And so everything is this, this kind of well, the, and that's premium that, that's on the assuming the gospel, taking the application for the gospel without the gospel. Oh, they mm-hmm. want to authenticate yourself, but it's like as far as like this. That's what Christians should do and what Jesus has done through authentication of yourself. Let's take that part away from it and just mm-hmm. do the worldly authentication. Yes. Right. Yeah, let's just find who I'm supposed to be, not find who I'm supposed to be in And it's Jesus. funny how much we see of that. It's like everything that the world's going after right now is like stuff that we can see has happened yeah. in generations that have followed the gospel, but yeah, they've just talk, taken the gospel aspect out of it mm-hmm. and just choosing. It's well, so they take, funny. They take the good things. They take the good that God intended and twist it into... Something they can control. Right, yeah. Something that they can put their own spin on. And, you know, it it just kind of goes back to that and goes back to this idea of I don't want something that's not real in my life. Because they're like, they're so consumed with everything. I've got school. I've got my, you know, you wouldn't believe how many kids have a plan for, like, there's a lot that don't. But you wouldn't believe how many high school kids they have. I mean, they'll have like a five, ten year plan, like Mm -hmm. almost in their mind of like, I want to go to this school and I want to get married at this age, and I want to do this, and I want to do that. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? Like, <laughs> well, and the stress that comes with the ones that don't is because the mm-hmm. world, everybody's got a plan, and everybody's got, you got to have a plan. you got to have a plan, or you're mm-hmm. going to fail, you're going to drown, you're going to fall behind, culture's going to leave you behind, right. culture's going to cancel you. As a high school teacher, just let me make a plug, trade schools, okay? <laughs> They're a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> Please consider them, right? Because <laughs> I, I can't tell you, it makes me so mad how many people are like, oh, you need to go to college, you need to go to college. And it's like, okay, sure, I mean, there are some college career paths you can follow that are that are great but man trade schools like <laughs> right right um you know so but that's a lot of pressure on people who don't is. have that plan trust me i've got three older i've got almost 21 and 18 <laughs> and 16 of the house is graduating next week so yeah i get that so yeah yeah, yeah. well you had mentioned the salon here with your your oldest daughter she yeah. is a cosmetologist yes. cosmetologist yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah um you know and so like i'm so busy with this there's so much pressure from culture to one figure out what my identity is and then once i've said what it is Stick to it, otherwise I'm a fake. Mm. 
figure it out, plan it out, stick with it, run through it and everything. And so they're like, I don't have time for one more thing in my life that I don't see benefiting me in these things. They're like, and they are, like you said, they're so good at spotting something that's, that's fake, that's not real. And so they need to see that, that authentically lived out faith. Yeah. Because um, that's where church gets thrown out. Whenever they're yeah. whenever they're building that plan, and then they want that authenticity and like what what is going to put me in the direction that I want to go, and then it's like mm, that church just seems like it's 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 fake. It's got a lot of fakes. Everybody I see mm-hmm. is fake, and it's just like I don't know how I don't know about how real that and, might be. Yeah, and, and even if it's not, even if they don't look and burning. say, oh hypocrites, or oh they're they're a bunch of fakes. Even if they're not like that, they may just look and they they just see a powerless version of faith they right. just see we, something that's not actually affected. Ways. yeah they're just like oh it doesn't really seem to affect the way they live so why would i waste my time with it yeah right relevant relevant, relevant. relationship yeah so how do you think then grant how do you think in terms of again meeting people where they're at i think the pandemic really accelerated this in terms of maybe even meeting people where they're at in like an online kind of thing, because everybody's online. Again, that was kind of one of the reasons that we started the podcast right. was we wanted to be in this sphere because I, I can't remember. We need to start running statistics more before we get, get on here. But like the statistics on the number of people in the U.S. in particular, and even in our area, in a poor rural area where everybody may not have internet at home, it's crazy how many people have some sort of wireless phone plan or something, you know, with right. data. Um, the amount of people online, how have you seen even kind of that in recent years, especially being, you know, with the ministry here and church and stuff? What have you guys done? Yeah. So, yeah, for that, I mean, we we try to take the excuse away why people can't be involved in church, you know, because right, yeah. when we were shut down, we're, we live on the other side of the state line, so we were shut down a lot more. Um, and so... You know, we did the whole parking lot thing. We did, you know, mm-hmm. we we started Facebook Live before um, all this happened. Yeah. Um, but then since then, like now we, we've, I don't know if anybody ever pulls up or not, but we've got the FM broadcast outside. We've do, uh, we've actually now launched a church app. And so it's easier to go to just in case something happens with Facebook or they, they don't like what we're putting. It's still streaming from this yeah. other platform. And so, you know, any of that that we can put out there just to get the gospel, not just to our area, but the thing I love about it, just wherever, you know, people yeah. can click and mm-hmm. go. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's been kind of cool to watch that happen. Um, I miss the seeing everybody every Sunday. I do miss yes. that a lot. The fellowship yes. of it. I miss um, you know at the cafe even where we've we've now transitioning back more to encourage people to dine in. But for a season, we were strictly drive through. Yeah, we'd pray with people with their car, but we weren't able to have those one on one conversations as mm-hmm. they are eating a meal. Um, yeah. And so you know, it's just making those adjustments. I think our word that we continue to use here at Crossroads is fluid. You just have to be fluid and and be who. God calls you to be at that season and yes. and use the resources He has for you to do. Well, that's what we started actually. Um, what we called them mini talks, didn't we? Is mm-hmm. that what we decided on? Crosswalk mini talks. <laughs> I should know. I recorded the first one, um, but we uh, we started a little thing that because you know people don't always have time to listen to a full hour podcast or something, so we started ten minutes or less little short talks and things. And the first one we're doing is a series on purpose. And the whole idea that you were, that we're all created, whether we realize it or not, whether we accept it or not, we're all created to bring God glory. And just like you said, being fluid in that, because that transcends a pandemic. That, that transcends and translates to any season of life. It may look different in each of those seasons, but you're always – that really centers you. That really helps you find the purpose in the little things of every day, knowing that, okay – 
you know, I'm making a, as my son calls it, a peanut butter jello sandwich for the <laughs> thousandth time, you know, oh, that's actually a sacred enterprise, even just, just parenting, being there for my mm-hmm. kid, praying with my kids, teaching them how to pray, you know, even if it's just before we eat a peanut butter jello sandwich, <laughs> you know, um, those kind of things. And so I think that's where, again, even in the online presence, I think trying to, I think we've kind of gone this direction with this, this episode authentic authenticity, mm-hmm. even in the online presence. Cause I think especially even online people are like, Oh, that's, that just doesn't really sit well with me. Like, Oh, right. that's fake. Or that's if, if it's not authentic. Well, in the Christian church world, it seems like we like demean the power of the gospel, you know, because we, we don't really use the full advantages of how far and how vast it truly can be used because we want to keep it close knit and just you know the way we've always done it but it's like like mm-hmm. you had said that fluid it's like once you actually open up to the gospel it is amazing how fluid the gospel really is it can mm-hmm. go in so many different directions it can be i mean it's just the fluid of the gospel is is actually immaculate it's awesome and we should be harnessing more of that as christians or as churches i mean we we need to experience more fluidity in the gospel well i think if you look at the world as a whole we have in this time in history, of course now with travel restrictions a little bit harder, but in no other time in history has the church been able to go to the ends of the earth. Yes. I literally. Mean, literally to I mean, either physically going, getting on a plane and going somewhere, or through the web or whatever. Yeah, you know, and, and so we've got those avenues that for some reason scares some churches. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. But you know, they are mm-hmm. afraid to move into that next that next thing. And even like I mentioned Facebook a while ago, you know, like it's like you know, I don't get into whole politics of Facebook, but we use Facebook to to broadcast the ministry. I mean, very, yes, yeah. very seldom do we. We put a few family things up on our personal page, but, you know, it's amazing to watch. Like last night, we did the firewood deal, and it was, yeah. you know, 30 minutes, there was a thousand views on that post. And and so it's just being able to, to put that stuff out there since, you know, hey, there's people that didn't have electricity still in the area because of the snowstorms or whatever. Yes. So how can we as a church just quickly get together and find wood or whatever and deliver it? And so, yeah. um, you know, it's just amazing to watch how quickly that can spread through that avenue. Now, I don't agree with all their policies and politics or whatever, but that's a platform that yes. I can use for the gospel and not even, even dive into that other stuff. And so as long as it's available as a church, I think that we have to use it for that reason. Absolutely. Well, especially when you look, again, kind of going with our thread of younger generations, you have to look, and where are they spending their time? And that goes back to the authentic as well, because if for people in our community, they know who we are because they see Christ being lived out, I hope. I mean, that's, that's my prayer, you know, mm-hmm. that they see that, you know— It'd be easy for us to to kick back and not do anything, um, but our online services or whatever. But God doesn't want us to sit back. He calls us to continue to go um, and to continue to serve. And it doesn't always make sense and always look the way we may think it, but we still have to continue to to move forward for Him and for His glory. Well, and I think being connected with the community online... Like you said, you guys prayed, show us the needs, God. Right. Like being connected with people online, you see the needs. Right. Because people, people do put their every need or whatever, or yeah. dirty laundry yeah. or whatever. It's on Facebook right. or Instagram right. or whatever. Right. Well, and you mentioned the shift in culture. I mean, when we first moved here, uh, we moved out of Marietta, Georgia, out of Metro Atlanta, right? And mm-hmm. so we came up with our, our, this is old school, our Blackberries. You know, yeah. and so yeah, our T-Bone oh, and Dash, I think is what we had. You know, so it had the keyboard and everybody kind of, what in the world do you need that for? I just need this flip phone. You know, and now everybody's carrying around 
a computer. A computer, right. That's this <laughs> 10 times more powerful than the computers had 12 years ago. Yeah. And so that has been a shift. But are, as a church, are we tapping into those resources mm-hmm. um, and, and, and giving people an opportunity to use those for finding the gospel or for prayer or finding out what's going on that, that does make the church relevant to people? And, mm-hmm. and helps them to understand this is church. It's not, yeah, we want you to come in, we want you to gather, uh, mm-hmm. but you know, if you just need prayer, then come on by. And, Absolutely. And then we're here. Mm-hmm. When I think, I think doing the online well in an authentic way, it will, it will lead to in-person gathering. Well, I think for some people, too. Especially our, post-pandemic, right, whenever yeah. that is. Yeah. And, yeah. and, our, and our culture, again, with the de-church, it, it, I've kind of kidded people around, you know, um, when everybody shut down and went online, it was the perfect time for people to visit other churches without getting caught, you know, because <laughs> yeah, they could go real. check out yes. someone's worship style or, or pastor's yes. preaching style or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and then you also see, I mean, I've got friends all over that they, they're connecting with their church, but they're also watching us. Mm-hmm. Or several, two or three different other churches, yeah. And so it, it gives people an opportunity to to listen and to experience that. And you know, and I, I love getting feedback. Like when the grocery giveaway line or whatever, somebody will come back and say, "Well, you know, last week in the Bible study, you mentioned this," and so I know that they're actually not just a click on for a like second, a click second off. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I got another number, right? But they're actually connected in. Yeah. And, and so that's really cool to get that feedback as well. Mm-hmm. Well, that also creates avenues for even the completely unchurched, because, you know, used to be you'd see, you'd go and you'd say, hey, you, you come to church with me, you know, Sunday, we're having church Sunday, would, why don't you come with me? And they're like, ah, you know, no, I don't, I don't want to do that, I'm not about that. But now it's like, hey, I just sent you a link to a 10-minute mm-hmm. video, dude, that literally just expresses the entire gospel, whatever the case may be. I sent you a link to a video, oh, or watch this video, dude, check this out on my phone right mm-hmm. here, or whatever the case may be, and it's like, they could watch that and... We didn't used to be able to have that, but it's like that's yeah. like cool well, it's avenue like it's to the have. New, it's the new foyer. But the funny thing is, just kind of that, foyer. Yeah, I mean, that it, would, it is. It's yeah. the front door for your yeah. church now. That you may never get into the door of a brick and mortar building, but they will do that. But Absolutely, you mentioned yeah. kind of the phone idea. Like when I was in uh, Lebanon and Syria, it was funny because, and in even India, having the complete Jesus film on a SD card in their yeah. phones. And and so the church internationally has been doing this for years. Yeah, that's awesome. you know because they don't have brick and mortar buildings, right, yeah. and so they go and they share these SD yes. cards, and that's how they're getting the gospel out is through that's electronic awesome. devices. Oh yeah, which and puts so we're it, now which catching makes up. it so much easier to get across even smuggle across right, truly exactly. smuggle across lines where it's if you're not able to just openly carry a Bible through and right. talk to people like that. Right, that's awesome. So we're catching up to the world, I guess. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would say so. Well, and I think I think we fell behind. I think we fell behind um, in definitely North America as a whole, but even now in the U.S., we're falling behind. We are we are not the number one sender of missionaries anymore. No, no. like people are people are coming from Asia to America to the, to the United States because they're like, oh, they've got a problem over there. Like they're not, and and we do again. It's become a a cultural form of Christianity that that is just about. Oh, doing things the way they've been done, and people are realizing that, and they're actually sending missionaries well, to us. You know now. where you, you know where that started. That started locally. That's mm-hmm. the, like we talked about earlier in the podcast, where we had missionaries coming in and doing work in Scott County, Tennessee, and people didn't even know that there was work needed to be done in Scott County, mm-hmm. Tennessee. That was from there, and yeah. so it's like it starts. It starts local, and then it grows and it grows and grows and it spreads, and all of a sudden you have an entire nation that just doesn't need know mm-hmm. that there's work that needs to be done here. And then you have places like yep. Asia, like you say, saying, sending people over to do the work for us. And it's like, talk about missing the mark. Well, I think the church has gotten lazy. 
I mean, I think that's part of it. I mean, you yeah. can look at church history and we got comfortable. Well, when comfortable when comfortable, yeah. when the government became doing the social, you know, I'm yes. giving you all this funding. I'm giving you all this, and the church is oh, that's great. They can fan- handle feeding people. They can handle mm-hmm. all these, and the church just step back and say, we'll just do our thing, and the physical needs are being met. To the point out, would you agree that there are churches that almost even, not just from a laziness standpoint, but almost even just, again, that idea of uncomfortable, it's like, oh, we don't really want to do that. There are programs for that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they will absolutely, they will absolutely they will shy away from yeah. it and, and, and be like, no, that's not what we do. Right. Mm-hmm. They may right. not say it that way, but that's kind of the But mentality. sometimes they do. Yeah, <laughs> but sometimes, sometimes they, do. they do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they 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 push back and they're like, yeah, there's a program over there. They'll send somebody instead of just trying to really meet the person where they're yeah. at. And again, as a church, and I know we can't have all the answers to everybody, right? But you know, I do need you know I need to know what's around to be able to help support people and send them to where they can get help. Yes. But at this, as a church, we have to meet as many needs as we can mm-hmm. and depend upon God. And I think that's sources. a really big point. I think sometimes we use that as an excuse of, oh, well, we can't do for everybody. But like I've heard it said, you know, do for one what you wish you could do for everybody. You know, and I think that's something that you guys do here. You know, is you meet as many needs as you possibly can and 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 do that well. I mean, you're you're not afraid to, like you said, just jump into the, to the mess <laughs> and work with people and meet them where they're at. Yeah. It, yeah. It's again. It's that prayer, you know. When I moved to Kentucky twelve years ago, my life verse switched to from Isaiah fifty five eight nine. My ways are highways, and your higher than your ways. You know that mm-hmm. was kind of my calling to ministry verse way back when. Moving to Kentucky in a whole different realm of ministry, uh, they even brought us before church plant. James one five became my life verse for <laughs> wisdom mm-hmm. and praying in faith that God will give us wisdom. And I think as we are ministering to continue to have that. God, give me the eyes of Christ for compassion, but then match that with wisdom. Uh, because the other statement you'll hear as well coming from people that, you know, they'll look at the ministry and say, well, you know, you get taken advantage of. Okay. Mm, yeah, I was yeah. getting ready to go there. Yeah, <laughs> and so, yeah, and, I, and I, re- I rebut that with saying, we get taken advantage of even when we're not open. You know, oh, whether yeah. it's uh, somebody saying something or whatever. And so if we were to take all that personal or, or say we can't do it, then we would never do anything. Mm. Mm-hmm. And and we wouldn't exist because um, I think one of the things with Crossroads that God's taught me as well, with wisdom, with being fluid and all that, is how big His kingdom work is. Mm-hmm. Um, because all of this would not be possible without a partnership through the bigger, greater body of Christ. Mm. And that dependency, as much as I like to have control, and as much as I like to know what's yeah. coming on the radar, that's not always possible. Matter mm-hmm. of fact, it's very seldom as possible. But God always meets His needs. Yeah. Well, and I think that that's another pushback, I think, from especially younger generations is just that idea of, oh, i got to surrender. Hmm. You know, giving up that control of your life to Jesus, you know. And I've been a, been a believer for more of my life now than I've not been, and it's still hard for me to right. just that every day, like, oh, i got to surrender control. Oh, i got to give up control. <laughs> like, I don't like it, you know, especially now that, like, now being a parent and stuff, it's like, you know, I have a measure of control over somebody else's life for now, <laughs> you know, but it's again, learning to give up that control of like, okay, yeah, I'm not really in charge. Jesus is. Right. And so I think that's tough. Well, um, I have no idea how long we've been going. We're probably getting close to time, but it's been great. 
um, any final – if we could kind of sum it up, I think I think we would sum it up probably with that idea of dependency, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Of just that just that wisdom of, of needing and wisdom from God, praying to see the needs, because I think that's where we get ourselves in trouble trying to reach the next generation, trying to reach new people is – we start thinking, well, what would attract people? What would be good? What would do this? What's going to get their attention? But instead of praying, God, would you show us their needs? God, would you show us a way to reach their needs, not just garner their attention? Well, then having the feet to move, meeting mm-hmm. them where they are. Right. Feeling willing to do it and watching God move and not try to micromanage God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's yeah. been a big shift in my prayer <laughs> life is not praying, God, will you do this, this, and this, and here's how you can do it. <laughs> but God, Guilty. yeah, I know. But here, here is, but yeah, but God, here's the need, and and how, I don't know how you're going to do it, God, but here's my need, yeah. and back away from the conversation, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, that that's really hard for us. But uh, I think that's important as well as a church, and uh, you know, the other thing is you, that micromanaging, you can't, you can't micromanage faith. Um, mm-hmm. One thing that I love about Crossroads is that we're not a traditional church hierarchy or anything by that. Stretch of a minute, and we don't even, we don't even have a church budget. We've been doing this for ten years without a church budget, mm. you know. And it's like whenever there's a need, it's impressive, it, you know. God <laughs> God meets that need, or or whenever resources come in, I just yeah. hold my breath because I know something's about to happen that we're going to have to have this resource to meet this need, <laughs> and we don't have to sit here and, yeah. and micromanage how every penny is supposed to be spent. A big gift comes in, and you're like, the freezer's going to go out soon, right? Well, even it. <laughs> well, during pandemic, I mean, when UPS showed up with you know like two thousand to go containers. We didn't know they were coming. We're like, okay, but God's going to allow us to have food and is going to expect us to put food in those containers <laughs> to serve the community, you know, when our numbers went from 120 to 300 meals a day. And wow. so, you know, we see God all over those things, and I can't micromanage God, nor do mm. I want to try to. But that's the authenticity we talked about. That's that dependency that that is truly an adventurous lifestyle of following Jesus. And that is what I think people are going to look at and say, oh, that's exciting. That's actually really cool. And I think that's what... Millennials can spot a fake in that, and they're gonna and Gen Z can't, and they're gonna say, "Oh no, that's real, that's authentic." I want to find out more. Yeah, the scariest thing for me as a pastor is if God was to call me back to a traditional church setting, <laughs> <laughs> because of living in, in a life of faith like this for so many for ten years. Mm-hmm. And like the cafe, we've never shut down because we've not had food. God has always that's amazing provided. And you know, for this building, getting back to this real quick, you know, it's we're the longest single ownership of this property since the 80s when it was wow. built. It kept the same name for a while, wow. but different owners. Dang, that's crazy. That's amazing. So for that's 10 amazing. years, we've been free mills. Mm. No, that's awesome. It's really awesome to and see how many conversations like have come. Oh. <laughs> Couldn't even count. Couldn't even count. That is amazing. But I can tell you, almost every single person has been prayed with. Mm-hmm. And the gospel's been shared multiple times. That's amazing. That is amazing. Grant... Thank you for joining with us, man. We really appreciate you coming out. I know it's snowy and the roads are bad, and we've been trying to do this for two weeks now, but we really appreciate you coming out and, and doing this with us. I think people will really get a kick out of it, and I think it'll be good for them to listen to. And I hope I hope it, it spurs some people on again to that, that idea of authenticity and that dependency, mm-hmm. and maybe we'll start praying, you know, God, show us the needs in Scott County yeah. and give us the, the feet and the motivation to go do it. Absolutely. Guys, Check us out on YouTube, on Anchor, 
on iTunes Podcast, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcast at. Check it out. Hope you guys can like, subscribe, maybe even leave a review so we can hopefully get the gospel out in as far and as wide as possible because we want to share the gospel, man. That is our main priority, our main goal is we want people to hear about Jesus. We want people to come to know him and know his love. So thank you guys for joining with us. We'll see you guys on the next episode. Thank you for listening.